Hi, everyone. I'm Debbie Roberts, owner and financial advisor at Property Apprentice. Join us today for the Week in Review, where I'll talk about current events for the everyday investor and home buyer. Our topics for this week, number one, on the 7th of March, CoreLogic report, sheer unaffordability of housing, pushing joint ownership up, and fewer women-owned homes. Second topic from landlords on the 6th of March, housing market likely to reach GFC lows. Third topic from NZ Herald on the 6th of March, building activity levels dropped for the first time since pandemic lockdowns. Fourth topic from Stuff on the 9th of March, house prices remain nearly 25% higher than pre-pandemic. Fifth topic from RNZ on the 8th of March, industry needs to work together to address critical housing shortages from the Property Council. So first up this week on the 7th of March, CoreLogic report sheer unaffordability of housing pushing joint ownership up and fewer women-owned homes. Consumers are expected to spend less as more mortgage homeowners are rolling on to higher interest rates. According to a new survey, women continue to lag behind men in terms of property ownership in New Zealand. Men owned 0.5% more of the housing stock than women, according to CoreLogic's 2023 Women and Property Report, which was issued on Tuesday ahead of International Women's Day. In the survey, women owned 22% of all residences, while males owned 22.5%. It also discovered that joint ownership between men and women was increasing, reaching 55.5%. The surge in joint ownership is likely being driven by recent crushing hikes in interest rates and the sheer unaffordability of housing, CoreLogic Chief Property Economist Calvin Davidson said. According to Davidson, the spike in joint ownership, whether mixed, gendered or same-sex ownership, indicates that Kiwis are finding their way onto the housing ladder. The research follows a dramatic shift in housing market conditions from rapid expansion in prices to a reversal, with the Reserve Bank of New Zealand hiking the cash rate in 2022. He said that with the unaffordability of property in recent years, it's not surprising to see a rise in shared ownership. While the gender property divide appears to be narrowing, CoreLogic report author Eliza Owen believes that joint home ownership is becoming increasingly frequent. It's likely that economic restrictions have forced more purchasing decisions to be made by two or more house buyers together. Curiously, when compared to Australia, New Zealand has a substantially greater percentage of mixed genders and joint same-sex ownership. Owen explained that this increase in mixed gender ownership is a reverse of the past two years, although analysis of more New Zealand homes this year may have contributed to the shift in results. She went on to say that the 50 basis point difference in the headline result amounts to men still owning 8,149 more properties than women. The gender gap is more pronounced in investment properties, with men owning 26.4% versus women owning 21.3%. Nonetheless, Owen stated that there were particular hotspots where women held a higher proportion of the investment properties. There were places with overall high female ownership percentages, such as Carterton, Whakatane and Kapiti Coast. Whanganui District, Kawaro District, South, South Waikato District and Invercargill City were the top regions for female home ownership. Apart from Auckland City, which had a comparatively high proportion of female home ownership at 25.1%, these high female ownership locations are often more rural in nature, as well as more affordable. Owen said that the significantly lower price points in these markets may make home ownership more accessible to women. 
areas with relatively low rates of female home ownership were not only more expensive, some were also attractive tourist destinations. Yet according to Owen, the opposite is true in Australia, with women having a higher proportion of property ownership in more costly blue-chip markets like Sydney. Owen suggested that this could be related to the increased number of apartments and townhouses in major cities. Calvin Davidson said that the labour market influences where men and women own homes. He said there's evidence that places like Buller, Westland and Grey, which have traditional employers such as mining and agriculture, would tend to be more male-oriented, helping men have a higher rate of home ownership. Many reasons, notably the gender pay difference, have historically restricted women from purchasing homes at the same rate as men. The salary disparity between men and women was 9.2% in 2022, up from 9.1% in 2021, but down from 9.5% in 2020. Owen said that the pay difference is perhaps partly to blame for women falling behind on asset accumulation, particularly when it may take women longer on average to accumulate a deposit for a property. According to Owen, empowering women through increased financial literacy and knowledge regarding property investing could help close the gap over time. Geez, women, I wonder where you might be able to get help with financial literacy and knowledge regarding property investing. I'll give you a clue. Come to one of our events or become a client of ours at Property Apprentice. But anyway, back to the report. Owen said that she added that recent improvements aimed at altering the balance between owner-occupiers and investors could potentially help to reduce the disparity. By allowing for more owner-occupation of residences, this could also serve to raise the equality in dwellings owned by men and women as home ownership begins to represent the demographic of individuals living in a region instead of the people interested in investing there. Second topic for this week in review, landlords on the 6th of March, housing market likely to reach GFC lows. According to the latest ASB Housing Confidence Survey, Kiwis expect house prices to reach the slumps of the GFC, the global financial crisis. For Kim Mundy, ASB Senior Economist, the new survey results continued their pessimistic tone in the three months to January. Pricing expectations have failed to find a floor and are swiftly approaching GFC lows. The results for the three months to January fell to a net negative 43%, predicting increased housing prices, down from a net negative 30% in the previous three months. The GFC low recorded in the three months to July 2008 was a net negative 55%. Monday said house values have already dropped more in this cycle than they did during the GFC. With further OCR rate hikes on the way, house price expectations may fall to GFC lows. So, now, I think that's quite a misleading statement because they're not suggesting that house prices are going to fall to the same lows that we saw in the GFC. They're talking about house price expectations of whether things are likely to fall further or increase. So, you know, don't be misled by the wording of that phrase, okay? Survey respondents in all regions were more pessimistic, but there was a significant fall in net price expectations in the South Island. Respondents overall suggest that it's a bad time to buy. The Reserve Bank of New Zealand's tough language in November, followed by a 75 basis points rate hike, undoubtedly dampened last quarter's cautious optimism. Auckland is the only region that is hopeful, albeit less so than in the three months to October. 
In other parts of New Zealand, respondents believe it's a poor time to buy, but they're less pessimistic than they were this time last year. According to Monday, respondents' judgments on whether it's a good time to buy are influenced by factors other than interest rates. He believes that rising gloom in the South Island is due to the fact that property price declines in the region are beginning to catch up with those in the larger North Island cities of Auckland and Wellington. Affordability has lately increased as a result of lowering property prices but higher incomes, making it easier to save for a deposit. Better affordability dynamics may explain why buyer confidence has risen a bit despite continuous interest rate rises. If you'd like to find out more about our thoughts on what's happening with the property market based on some of these recent reports, feel free to join me at one of our free events, How to Succeed with Property Investing in 2023. I'll discuss strategies for successful investing from my perspective as a financial advisor, and these events are available live online or in person. Check out propertyapprentice.co.nz for upcoming dates and register today. We don't sell property, so it's all about increasing your knowledge to reduce your risk. If you'd like to find out more about how we can help you to reach your financial goals by being a client of ours, you can book a no-obligation phone call or meeting with my husband, Paul Roberts, via the website as well. Although I will talk about how we can help you at these free events if you haven't been to one of those before. Third topic for this week from the New Zealand Herald on the 6th of March, building activity levels dropped for the first time since pandemic lockdowns. The volume of building activity has recently slowed for the first time since the pandemic stopped all but essential construction work two years ago. According to Stats New Zealand, the value of building projects completed fell by 1.6% between the September and December quarters. This is partly due to a decline in new home approvals, but industry inflation in the double digits has also been highlighted. In the December quarter, $8.8 million in work was completed, compared to $9 million in the September quarter. That activity is both for business and residential categories. The newest data, according to construction manager Michael Heslip, revealed the first drop in overall volume of building work since the COVID-19 impacted September 2021 quarter, when the National Alert Level 4 ran for a fortnight, but Auckland's ran for years. No, not years, just many, many weeks. New house consent numbers have cooled lately. 49,480 consents were issued in the year to January. Yet consents have been running at all-time highs last year, surpassing 50,000 annually. Volumes are down. Overall values are up. In the year to December, the total value of all building work completed was $34 billion, a 20% increase over the previous year. Value estimates for completed building work involve fluctuations in building expenses over time, such as material and labour prices. According to Stats New Zealand, residential building prices have risen 13% in the last year, while non-residential expenditures have risen 10%. Satish Ranchod, senior economist at Westpac, said that the report was poorer than expected. Construction activity slowed in the fourth quarter, but the sector remains active. Ranchod stated that the number of residential and non-residential projects being done stays very high. Concrete New Zealand's chief executive, Rob Gamester, stated earlier this month that robust demand for concrete is projected to continue this year and next, particularly for infrastructure and non-residential construction projects in Northland, 
Auckland, Tairawhiti, Gisborne, and Hawke's Bay. One indicator of construction and infrastructure activity, as well as general economic health, was ready mixed concrete manufacturing. He stated that it's already climbed by 1.5% in the December quarter. Commercial consents were expected to remain at record levels for the next two years, while the total value of infrastructure projects was expected to rise, even without accounting for Cyclone Gabriel-related work. According to the National Infrastructure Pipeline report, the total value of infrastructure projects was expected to rise and may have reached $76.9 billion late last year. Fourth topic for this week in review from staff on the 9th of March, House prices remain nearly 25% higher than pre-pandemic. Home prices nationally have dropped in the last year, but they're still 24.5% higher than when COVID first arrived in the country, according to QB, quotable value. The newest results from the property data business reveal that the national average price fell 12.6% to 920366 in February from $1.05 million the previous year. It also declined by 2.7% during the last three months, indicating that the rate of loss accelerated since the quarterly price drop was 1.7% in January and 1.2% in December. UB National spokesperson Simon Peterson stated that prices remained a long way from pre-COVID levels, despite more than a year of significant reductions across the board. He added that if prices continue to fall at their current rate, it could still take up to two more years to attain pre-pandemic levels nationally. This is if it happens, as the market is projected to stabilise before then. The same was true at a more regional level, he said, citing the Wellington region as an example. Wellington was the hardest hit by the market downturn, with its average price falling 21% year-on-year to 854092 in February. The average price in the Auckland region had declined 15.3% in the previous year to $1.28 million in February, but was up 19.3% from February 2020. Christchurch prices had fallen less, with the region's average falling 6.7% year-on-year to $745,905 in February, but remaining 45.3% higher than pre-pandemic levels. He remarked that whether or not that happens in the long run remains to be seen. Increasing interest rates and credit limits continue to have a stranglehold on the market as they have for more than a year, he said. He added that many potential home buyers are either unable or unwilling to purchase property because of the cost of maintaining a home loan is so expensive. Others are waiting to see when the market will bottom out, which hasn't happened yet. Home prices have been declining for almost a year and many respondents anticipate the trend to continue into next year according to a recent Stuff Now Next poll. However, ANZ analysts recently stated that the market's around two-thirds of the way through their projection for a 22% price decline, while Westpac predicted further price declines of around 7% before the market bottomed out. As shown by QV data, the biggest price drops in the three months to February 28 were in Rotorua, Auckland and Palmerston North. Both Wellington and Hastings had quarterly decreases of more than 3%. Every major centre saw a quarterly drop in prices, although the South Island saw a more modest drop than the North Island. Queenstown, which had previously bucked the downturn, experienced its second straight quarterly decline. 
In February, prices go 1.8% to 1.67 million. I think it's important to point out that statistics can vary dramatically. So, you know, this report here was talking about averages. We also have several reports that have come out recently that talk about median prices. Something to bear in mind is the number of tenant houses, units and apartments that have been built recently has increased significantly. So that in itself, they tend to be lower price points and those those figures can be dragging the medians and the averages down as well. So what you need to remember is that most people don't buy the average or the median house, you know, so make sure that you understand the values of the properties in the area that you're looking at purchasing and make your offer based on market value. Last topic for this week, in review from RNZ on the 8th of March, industry needs to work together to address critical housing shortages from the Property Council. The real estate industry hopes to create a long-term strategy to solve housing concerns that go beyond the unpredictability of three-year political election cycles. The Property Council's Residential Development Summit this week brought together foreign and local professionals, lawmakers and others to discuss a variety of themes, such as social housing, built-to-rent and urban development, including infrastructure and community services. Council Chief Executive Leonie Freeman stated that the sector is investigating how innovation and sustainable development goals might be applied to improve large-scale residential construction. She stated that the sector, which includes industry, government, ERI and other organisations, needed to collaborate to address urgent housing shortages, particularly in Auckland. She believes that a collaborative approach would be more effective than the fragmented approach now in place. Freeman said the collaborative method has worked overseas. It has solved extremely complicated, large-scale, stubborn social problems and she wishes to see it done in New Zealand. Property Apprentices Free Events cater to the changing needs of first-time buyers and investors all over New Zealand. Join me for our upcoming event, How to Succeed with Property Investing in 2023, with my tips as a financial advisor regarding strategies for successful investing. There are live training sessions held either online or in our Auckland office, and there's plenty of opportunity to ask me questions. I'll answer as many of them as I can. You can register on our website at propertyapprentice.co.nz and check out the details there. And if the dates and times don't suit you and you want to have a no-obligation chat with my husband Paul to see how you can become a client of ours at Property Apprentice, you can also book a no-obligation meeting or phone call with him via our website. That's propertyapprentice.co.nz.